I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The Best in the World Podcast with Richard Parr. Hello and welcome to another edition of The Best in the World with Richard Parr, where each week I speak to an Olympic champion, a world champion, a world number one or a world record holder to find out what they do to become the very best in their sports. This week we're on the slopes again with Mario Matt. Mario Matt is the reigning men's slalom Olympic gold medalist from the 2014 Sochi Games. And at the age of 34, he became the oldest person to win that event in history he's now retired and he talks about what he's up to now on this podcast he talks about having waited his whole career to finally win olympic gold he talks about his diet he talks about his family and much much more on this week's best in the world with richard parr really fun chat with mario matt just before we get to the conversation with the Austrian skier, I want to tell you about 99designs. 99designs can help design anything that you want from a logo to a website to a poster to a business card. All you got to do is go to sportachino.com forward slash 99designs. And if you don't like what they produce for you, you can get your money back. And you know, if you use our link, sportachino.com forward slash 99designs, and you end up getting something designed by them, a little bit of that money does come back to us here at The Best in the World with Richard Parr. So you would also be supporting our show while you get something brilliantly designed by one of their talented freelancers from all across the world. Go and check it out, sportachino.com forward slash 99 designs all right let's get on with the interview with the olympic champion skier mario matt the best in the world podcast with richard parr mario matt 2014 slalom olympic champion welcome to the best in the world with richard parr so great to have you on the program today of course it's a couple years after you decided to retire from the sport so why don't we get up to date with what you're up to at the moment please mario yeah i retired like uh 2015 two years ago so yeah i'm still very busy. Uh, with, yeah, we're running a upper ski bar in St. Anton, the Crazy Kangaroo. 
so it's very busy in winter time. And besides this, I have the horses. We are breeding uh, purebred Arabian horses, and yeah, it's all year long, very busy time actually. Uh, everyone always thinks that owning and running their own bar sounds like the dream job. Is it quite the case, Mario? Yeah, it's for sure uh, hard work. It's not so easy uh, like it looks from outside. It's, uh, yeah, behind you need a very strong team and we have about 30, 35 staff. And, uh, of course, it needs, yeah, you need to be really strict in, in everything. And uh, it's it's uh, really hard uh, four and a half months because we have, like in winter time, from beginning of December until mid of April, open every day. So we run uh, normal, we are on on the mountain, on, on the ski resort, and we have normal lunch, we cooking lunch, and uh, then at like 3, 3.30, the upper ski is starting until 8, so it's, it's quite a busy day. Mm, sounds tiring. What have you been able to take from your skiing career, be it lessons that you've learned or processes that you have that you've been able to incorporate by working in this bar and running this bar? I think it um, doesn't matter what you do, which job you do, but uh, with sport or on a high level, you you always can learn a lot and can put it in in the next job you do. Because you have, yeah, you have to be consistent and and you have to to fight for your goals and and to to have goals in life. It's also in the normal life. It's important and, and to to work to work hard to achieve these goals. So it's also in in every other job. I think it's important to have these goals and and just uh, be consequent and and work on this. Mm. What, what have you set for the the crazy kangaroo? What, what goals have you set for it? Of course, I'm a person uh, who likes everything always perfect. And, and <laughs> with, with with in the sport, you need to be uh, to be successful uh, kind of person like this. I think because uh, then even when you are winning races, you always have to push harder and and train and and have new goals to get better and improve and of course with the crazy kangaroo it's the same uh, it's a well-known bar and it's uh, very busy but of course we are I'm always thinking what we can improve what we can make better and and all these things and that all the guests are coming are, are happy and having a great time that's the most important mm. and you mentioned the horses there as well where did that interest come I started actually when I was a little child. Uh, every time when we were driving with my parents somewhere and I saw horses on the side of the streets, I wanted to stop and, and see these horses. And uh, yeah, it was always a dream to have my own. And when I finished after I was 18, I finished uh, the ski school uh, where I was. Uh, yeah. Uh, I bought my first horses and I started two years later my own breeding and yeah it's a big big part in my life so we're enjoying it uh, really a lot. Fantastic and one of the things which 
I've learned by interviewing over 70 Olympic and world champions now is you're all very good at time management. And obviously you've got to work on the bar. You've got to work with the horses. I'm sure you're doing, still doing quite a bit of, of, of skiing, maybe recreational and otherwise. Um, how do you manage your time? Do you have any processes you do? Do you use any apps? Do you write things down? How do you keep your time management? I'm not doing really anything, but uh, it's when you do so many years the sport. Because before, when I was still active, it was easy. It was in the in the morning was training, then I had a little lunch break in the afternoon training again. So it was always on the priority was the training. And uh, after I finished my training, I had to do a had time for for different things for the horses or what else, and. Yeah, but uh, now I'm still uh, spend a lot of time in in at the farm. I work the horses myself pretty much most of the time, and I, yeah, I enjoy it a lot because during the active time I was always regretted sometimes that I had have not so much time to enjoy the horses, and this part I can now enjoy more and this is what I like and of course in winter time if the bar is different it's then it's yeah and like the most of the time I'm there it's priority there and after this the horses then so it's yeah all year something different a little bit mm. variety is the spice of life they say um yes do you have any other um regrets of some of the things that you sacrificed during your uh, competitive career? Not really. I I did everything what I wanted to do, of course. And uh, sometimes, of course, when you're young and like the beginning of the career, like 16 or 20, this time, of course, it's sometimes more fun to go out with friends and, and but of course, it's not always possible, but I still enjoyed uh, a great time with my friends going out, having fun. It was, I did everything I wanted, actually. And, and still, of course, you cannot do it so often like the normal young people, but uh, it was still enough and it was for sure fun. But of course, sacrifice sometimes, maybe, yeah, like I said before, with the horses a little bit, but the rest, I think I I did all what I wanted to. Hmm. So in those early days, was there a turning point? Was there an age where you'd been skiing, you were quite good, but you were still having fun with your friends? And then was there a moment where you were like, I'd like to have fun with my friends, but you know what, I'm actually taking skiing now to next level i want this to be my profession i want this to be something i'm going for was there an age where you almost realized this is what i want to do this is what i want to uh, achieve in the next 15 years yeah yeah i, ne- I never really thought about these things it w- I was developing like yeah like normally i was when i was a little child around six years old it started like this, doing the small races around here, and I was always successful, and then always one step higher, and then uh, like Austrian level, and of course around 10 years old, then was the decision uh, about school, 
and we have a really good uh, ski school here where you can make a good uh, education, you say, I think, uh, in school and, and also in sports. So you have uh, a daily routine where you work, you go to school in the morning and after lunch in the afternoon you have training. So I think at this time or the, this age, it's really important uh, to learn this and to 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 get used to this rhythm because I don't know and also was not sure if with 15, 14, 15, 16, it's it's a difficult age and when you're not in a, in a system like this, it's maybe not so easy. But for this age, I think it's perfect to do a school like this for these four years and then, yeah, it uh, was in the fifth races, like in the Austrian and then European Cup, European Cup team and so it went really amazingly fast for, for me because I was only one year in the European Cup team and then already with 20 years uh, won the first uh, World Cup race. So it was pretty a long time in the World Cup circuit. Mm. Was that like your your third race in, in the World Cup circuit that you, you won? Is that what I saw? Yes. Fantastic. Yes. Yes. Uh, c- could you believe it when it happened? Uh, yeah, it was uh, one of the most important races also. It was Kitzbühel and so it was, yeah, it was spectacular. Of course, I knew I was really fast, uh, but of course with, with number 47, what I had in this race, you cannot expect to win. And uh, of course, uh, my goal was to, to, to make points because I was not in the top 30 at this time and, and to to... to make points that I get a better uh, pip number and this was the goal at this time but then uh, yeah it went so quick and I won the third race already. Mm. Did you then look back at that race at all and did you analyze anything that you specifically did there and and from that were you able to take that experience for, for future races? I have to say in this age I was pretty relaxed and I didn't think about things that's the good thing when you're young you don't think much about Mm. things so this is also what sometimes can be a problem when you get older you think about more about things and and when you're young you don't do it so it was easy at this time I just yeah tried to ski so fast as possible and and was pretty relaxed uh, for all the rest so but it it went really well the first season. Then I could make another victory, and from this time on, I was always on the podium and and in the front. Uh, but and also the second year, then we had the world championship in Saint Anton at my hometown, and yeah, this was also unbelievable when you think uh, like years later about this that you can make it your hometown uh, world champion and the silver medal so but again when you are young you don't think about these things but when you're getting older you realize uh this these things are uh, not have happen a lot so it's was fantastic result there yeah when when you won in saint anton by racing at at your home on your on your 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 home course did that help in any way 
Did it give you an advantage? Not really. Slalom uh, doesn't matter actually where which resort because it's it can help maybe in downhill when you know the the hill more, but in slalom it doesn't change because uh, with the small distance of the gates, it's anyway every time you set the course it's different so it doesn't change but yeah of course to be home and uh, also the races in austria i always like the most because we have such a great atmosphere also like Kitzbühel schlabming there's about 50 60,000 people watching on the course so it's uh, it's yeah it's amazing like a football stadium so <laughs> it's a great atmosphere always yeah, quite the party atmosphere. And after that World Championship victory, you you did suffer an injury in in two thousand two, and you missed the the two thousand and two Olympics. How frustrating was that for you? Yeah, of course, very frustrating. Also, before I hurt my shoulder, I was leading the World Cup team. The World Cup. Uh, it was in the end of January. And just like two, three weeks before the Olympics, I hurt my shoulder and need to have uh, surgery. So it was a big injury, actually. And yeah, but of course, it was a hard time then. And I felt back with the PIP numbers. I had to start all over again with like numbers 48, 49, and to fight back. And of course, you have to set then different goals because with these high numbers, it's not possible to, to win races, of course. And, and you have to set different goals that you collecting points again and coming down with the number. And uh, it was like two years, two, three years. I had really, uh, I, think, I think it took two years that I won again a race, but it was a hard time. And of course, then in 2007, when I won again the world champion title in Ore, it was yeah, it was unbelievable because you you knew, then at this time I knew both sides uh, when you are on top level and when you are completely down and uh, it, when you are down at the end nobody is helping you. You have to take care of yourself and fight really hard and work hard that you're coming back to the top because uh, when you are down. All the sponsors are—it's going really fast. That it's nobody's interested anymore. So it's a hard time where you have fight on your own. But of course, it's—it helps you for life uh, a lot. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The Best in the World Podcast with Richard Parr. We'll have more from Mario in just a moment. But if you've got any questions for some of our future guests, you can do that by sending me a tweet at Richard underscore Parr. And also we're on Facebook. Go and check out our Facebook page. It's facebook.com forward slash Best in the world with Richard Barr. Really appreciate it if you could just spend a few minutes, maybe have a look at what's on our page. You might see an old episode that you quite enjoy. Please go and check that out. That's facebook.com forward slash best in the world with Richard Barr. And I'm also on Twitter at Richard underscore Barr. I would love to hear from you. All right, let's return to the conversation with the skiing Olympic champion, Mario Matt. The Best in the World Podcast with Richard Parr. We're going to move on in a moment to the 2014 Olympics and everything which happened there. I just want to talk about a few logistical things. And first of all, let's talk a little bit about diet. Was that something you thought about a lot? And and what were the type of foods you were eating while you were training and while you were competing, Mario? Yeah, of course, nutrition is very important. Uh, I mean, you have to, to look at the end. It's uh, also in summertime when you have to train two times a day and, and you have to see that you have enough protein and carbohydrates. It's That's the main thing. And, of course, it's not a specific food now, but it's, uh, of course, over the years you get used to it and you know what's healthy and what's not healthy so these things is of course very important to 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 compete on a high level mm. so give us a typical idea of what you would have for breakfast then Mario yeah it uh, depends I always like more variety not always the same so sometimes in the morning like two free eggs and to have the protein and uh, like a muesli and yeah always also bread I eat and in the morning so but it's important uh, before you start training uh, that you have enough protein inside Okay. I've just been recently reading a fantastic blog post by the uh, American sprinter Tiana Bartoletta, and she was talking about the difficulty of travel and uh, the having to pay a little bit more for uh, business class seats or first class seats rather than economy to make sure she was rested when she would go to events and make sure she would be able to immediately go on the track once she's uh, got off a plane, so to speak. Uh, were there any things that you would particularly do as part of your travel routine when you would go to different countries to make sure that you were in the best shape possible? Yeah, of course. Uh, 
the traveling is always a big thing. And uh, the, the more years I was in this sport, the more problems I got. And of course, we have also by car, big drives, like seven, eight hours. This is this is always the problem because with the skiing, you have really, your muscles are really tense in the back also. And, and then when you sit in the car such a long time, so you, the most problems we had, always uh, in the back of course and yeah with long drives we try to get out of the car like every two hours and then make some exercises or some some jumps or anything to get more blood circulation in the back and and yeah this is a big thing for sure and very important and with flying of course also uh when we we're flying overseas, America or New Zealand in summer for training. And uh, it's, uh, yeah, of course, I always try to to get a business ticket because it's, uh, it's a big, I'm also 190 centimeters big. So it's, it's uh, yeah, much more relaxed, of course. And then when you arrive that you, that you take your time, not, I've always did took it easy like the first day and just not skiing the first day because with all this tension in the in the muscles it's it's I got many times problems. So I took it always a bit easier the first two days and then when the when I felt ready with my body and then I started. So I think this is this is always very important not to start too too early because uh then you have just just the problems afterwards. Mm. Yeah, I'm I'm one meter eighty eight, not quite as tall as you, but still pretty tall. And I I feel your pain when you when you're setting economy. It can feel a little bit claustrophobic at times. Um, yeah. So let's talk about 2014. Um, age 34, going into Sochi. Did you feel you had a chance of coming away with Olympic gold? Yeah, of course, I knew. Uh, did I have a chance? Of course. Uh, then otherwise you don't need to compete. And uh, <laughs> this was uh, actually this season, this 2014, I had a great season. One was always in the front, always in the top three rankings in, in the World Cup races. But then the two races, two three races before the Olympics, I was always very fast and on. Um, like I could close to win, but then I, I I fell out like two two times or I think two or three times the races before the Olympics I couldn't finish. So I struggled one time and and yeah, stupid things happened. And of course this was also a time where you get frustrated because you knew you can win these races and then yeah with stupid uh, mistakes or stupid things happen. You you are not able to achieve this and yeah and uh, also this was a time where I was focused on the winning maybe sometimes a bit too much and uh, when I was traveling to the Olympics I told myself just don't think about the winning now and just concentrate the job you have to do about skiing concentrate about skiing and just let the things happen and this is also sometimes very important, I think, that you just don't think too much about everything, 
just concentrate uh, on the things you have to do and just let this happen. And I think with this, with this thinking, I achieved sometimes the most, I have to say. Mm. Would you do any other things on the mental aspect, Mario? Would you do things like visualization skills? Would you do any meditation? Was there anything else that you'd incorporate before a big race? No, I never did anything about uh, mental training or anything. I just, yeah, tried to do my my thing, what I was thinking, and then just try to le- relax and and concentrate on skiing mm. and on the things what I have to do. This was I never had other other help or anything. So you're at the top gate. You're about to do your second run at the Sochi Olympics. What's going through your mind? Yeah, of course, it was uh, on one side a big pressure, but uh, between the the first run and second run, it's a lot of time to think about everything. And but still, you don't. You have to just focus on skiing, otherwise you go crazy. And and that's the thing. What I try to do just to focus on, on my run and, and let the things happen and give my best. And that's all I could do at the end. And But it was also quite hard at the Olympics at Sochi because the second course was, the course setting was so tricky. And I remember I tried uh, sometimes when you are the last uh, up there, you, you watch some some guys before they run down and they run, they're skiing the course. But then I, tr- I watched some and nobody finished the course. So all the three I watched, they all fell out after 15 gates, I mm. think. So I was thinking, no, that's, that's not working. I have to <laughs> just do my own thing and, and uh, concentrate myself. Otherwise, it's not working. Mm. And of course, you did produce the quickest time. You did become the Olympic champion. Uh, one thing I noticed watching the video was uh, the the face of Marcel Hersher, who who was leading at the time and who, who you just beat to become the Olympic champion. And uh, th- there's a very famous Simpsons episode where uh, Ralph has his heart broken and you almost see on the TV that his heart is breaking. It was almost like that with Marcel as you went through the line of his heart almost breaking that he didn't win gold but what was going through your mind when it happened could you could you believe it and do you remember it well yeah of course i remember every second and uh <laughs> i knew i had a big time uh advantage uh when i was on the start and uh it was really tricky because i was the last number and of course the 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 course is getting more difficult and yeah but i tried to fight and and give all i had and when i crossed the finish line of course it was amazing unbelievable because it was the last time my last chance chance at the olympics so i knew it before this will be my last olympics and uh it's even more means more when you can be olympic champion with this at the end of a career i think because then, then you understand the importance of uh, Olympic Games and everything. When you're young, you don't. I never thought about these things much. So, yeah, it, of course, it meant a lot to me. Have you watched it back at all? 
Yes, of course, yeah. Mm. I watched it, yeah. yeah. It was, to watch it uh, live on television must be, uh, also for my parents, must be horrible because uh, it was because about this course and so many races fell out and couldn't finish the course. So it was really, really, uh, yeah, not easy to watch, let's say, like this. Mm. Uh, and of course, your 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 brother was a 2009 uh, ski cross champion. He's also Olympic silver medalist, and I know you've got another brother who's been involved in skiing as well. By you all being pretty good, did that help you in those early days? Were, were you competitive between each other? Uh, not really, because. Uh... I always was the one ski racing and then my the, the younger brother is three and a half years younger than me and he was actually never interested in ski racing. When he was like 14, 15, he started snowboarding. And then when I was, when the world championship was in St. Anton and I got world champion, then he got motivated in skiing again and then he started the ski cross because, of course, for for... Alpine skiing, it, it's uh, too late if you start with this age. And the youngest brother, he he's like 14 years younger than me. And when I was starting in the World Cup, he was about six, seven years old only. So, yeah, but it's great that he's also in the World Cup team now. And he also had a big success last year. It is only second season, and he won his first race and uh, two times on the podium. So he, I think he's in a great way, and will have uh, hopefully a great future ahead of him. Mm, and hopefully, we'll have him on the best in the world in the future when he's an Olympic and a world champion like you are. Yeah, um, it's been yeah. brilliant to talk to you, Mario. Just before you go, why don't you let us know how we can find out more about you online through social media or, or anything else you'd like us to. Uh, be able to find out more about maybe the crazy kangaroo or anything like that, please. Yes, of course. Everybody is invited uh, for uh, when you are on holidays in St. Anton or the Alberg region. We're running the crazy kangaroo, the upper ski bar. And also we have great lunch and amazing upper ski. So, of course, we would be happy to welcome you. And, yeah, you can follow me on Mario Matt com is on my website and it's always something new to see wonderful well thank you so much for being on the program mario and thank you for being the best in the world yeah thank you very much thank you the best in the world podcast with richard parr Wonderful to speak to Mario on this week's podcast. I'll definitely have to go and check out the Crazy Kangaroo at some point. It sounds like a lot of fun. I'll tell you what also is fun. That is the other podcasts I've had with skiers on The Best in the World with Richard Parr. Very recently, I spoke to Julia Mancuso. Maybe go back and listen to that. Also spoke to Johnny Mosley. He's been on the program, as well as Charlotte Caller. They're all the best in the world Olympic champion skiers. They've been on the podcast and you can listen to them at sportachino.com. You can listen to them on Acast, acast.com forward slash best. And you can also listen to them 
on iTunes and please give us a subscribe and a rating and review if you are on iTunes. One last thing I want to talk about before we go is Patreon. If you've enjoyed this show and you'd like to contribute to us in some little way, you can do that by going to patreon.com forward slash best in the world. There you can donate to this program from as little as $1 a month. That'll help us keep across our costs from editing to transcribing to just getting the guests in the first place through emails and phone calls and all of the manpower that it takes to produce this weekly podcast where we speak to world champions and Olympic champions. That website again is patreon.com forward slash best in the world. If you get a chance to donate, thank you so much. If you've done it already, we really appreciate your support. All right, I'll be back next week with another episode of The Best in the World with Richard Parr. Goodbye for now. The Best in the World podcast with Richard Parr. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.